I'm Sarah, host and account manager here at 21 Handshake. I'm Ashley, another account manager at 21 Handshake. My name is Alex. I'm in charge of visual content. If you're new around here, the purpose of this podcast is to inform and discuss all things digital marketing. From content to SEO to social, we discuss industry trends, tips, and tricks, and hope to leave you with some thought-provoking content. This podcast is not only for seasoned marketers, but it's also for those just embarking on their marketing career. We are for business owners, entrepreneurs, whether you're small business, large business, we believe there is something always to be learned from each other. So before we dive into this week's episode, that's all about key opinion leaders and what they are and how they can help you reach your B2B niche audience, we wanted to do a quick social media news recap from F8, which happened last week, and that is Facebook's big developers conference. And there were a lot of updates that they went over um, and just where Facebook, Instagram, the whole Facebook family is headed. So huge takeaways were, for the most part, not surprising, but they were interesting nonetheless. Um, I just, I couldn't stop watching it, honestly, (laughs) from the minute, like, Zuckerberg's opening keynote, I was just kind of captivated, like, okay, what? What are they doing? What are they doing? So in case you missed it, we are going to give you the six key takeaways that were from these opening keynotes and kind of where Facebook is headed and just their big focus on town square versus living room and what that even means. So Ashley, what are some of the quick six principles that they laid out that were going to be taking place over the next while Facebook's mission for this year. Yeah, so like Sarah mentioned, this um, F8 conference, they announced a lot of new updates. This is the first big update to Facebook in five years. Yeah, they changed the colors, which you haven't noticed on your... But if you think about it, that is such a long time in the world of social media that moves so quickly. And and, and don't get me wrong, they've added updates along the way. We've talked to them. We've talked about them on the podcast. Um, But this one is especially unique um, because it addresses a lot of the issues uh, that customers have been concerned about in the past couple of years. Right. So not beyond just the look of it. Yes. There was some like key points. Yes. So the first one being being private interactions and that the right, uh, it's everyone's right to have um, interactions on Facebook without everyone quote unquote watching. Right. And I think this is important to put out too. And I have to keep this in the back of my mind that Facebook is international. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this even meant like for those is, in countries where their governments spy on them, like yes. that they would not even have access to that. I That's think it's huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we don't think about that in America. Right. So much. I mean, I'm sure people yeah. are conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theorists do, but. <laughs> Well, right. And I think, too, um, like adding more features to personal profiles so that if you are, I don't know, like commenting on someone's picture, like maybe that comment doesn't show up if you don't want other people. Right. Blah, blah, things like that. Um, The second one is encryption. So integrating an end-to-end encryption throughout the Facebook experience. And that is one that I think a lot of consumers have had, you know, concerns about. And that addresses the Oh, yeah. From... Cambria, analytics, and even just Mm -hmm. other things, passwords being hacked. There's just been a lot of bad news about privacy things from Facebook. Yeah, and some people are just like, about time, you know? Um, Right. So, 
Next is reduced permanence, um, making sure that what you post today will not come back and haunt you in the future. And That's thought, interesting. Yeah. I did. I thought that one was interesting as well. Um, I'm curious to know like what data they were looking at or like what instigated that specific principle. Um, like I know, like I feel like it's a joke where like people are like, oh yeah, like don't post those drunk right. selfies on Facebook because future employers are going to know. And like, I don't see like the problem with that, you know, like, um, right. Especially maybe that's someone, a smart yeah. thing to do. Right. Um, it's, it doesn't sound like Facebook's problem. Did they, did you they know? <laughs> expand on this at all? Because yeah, I, I, I would like to see how this is played out. Honestly, that was just yes. going through my mind. Like, are they going to put every photo that you upload is it going to have an expiration date that well, it, you input or yeah i will say in general a lot of this is very vague mm -hmm. um they announce a lot of themes but not exactly how they'll be implemented gotcha. exactly. they gave you a clue into you know what the next version of facebook might look like but they didn't exactly say um, when those things will be happening or um, in in what features they affect they really right. talked very broadly over not just Facebook, but the entire Family enterprise, yeah. Instagram, mm -hmm. WhatsApp, yeah. um, you know, like they talked a lot about AI and augmented reality mm -hmm. as well. So they're, they're talking very broad um, in these. Yeah. The reason why I think the reduced permanence thing is very interesting is because like you do hear about people losing their job because of like an old tweet or something that pops yeah. up, which I did hear about recently. Yeah. And also the NFL draft just happened. So all these, these, their kids, I mean, between 19 and 21 years old are getting mm -hmm. you know these yeah. these teams are like diving deep on oh. like they're getting into like big time background checks oh um, sure yeah and i mean they're going to be paid millions and millions yeah. of dollars yeah. they want to make we're sure they know what they're, brand, they're representing yeah. a brand a football team is and a that brand makes sense. Yeah. yeah and some some players get tweets dug up from now granted they're yeah they're like six seven eight years ago when that would probably was a different person like yeah. i don't mm -hmm. i don't think I personally don't think it's fair to hold someone accountable for those tweets that happen. Yeah. Like, like for something that someone digs up like from eight years ago or something like that, mm -hmm. they were probably young and kind of dumb and yeah. like, yeah, it shouldn't yeah. have been tweeted, but um, yeah, there was... That makes sense. But, you know, as an employer, as someone who's going to have a face representing mm -hmm. their brand, I mean, you got to think of it almost politically these days. Yeah. You know, yeah. the same thing where they dig up stuff on political candidates. And then suddenly you're like, well, if they thought that way at one point, does someone really change deep yeah. down? Yeah, so I wonder if this will be, like, simple as in a tool where you just say, like, delete everything before the date of... Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I am only curious maintain how everything within, like, tweeted in the last five years or, or like, posted on Facebook or, like, I want to archive all the pictures from... Yeah, it's, that one specifically know. stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, keep everyone updated here oh, as yeah. that uh, comes to light. Yep, and so right on theme with that, the next one is safety, that everyone has the right to feel safe when using Facebook or their quote-unquote family of apps. Um, right. And I would say that's a very more like broad right. theme. I mean, that that's pretty much that's pretty says much everything. The theme of all these yeah. is you'll be safe when you're using us. Right, they <laughs> want you to feel safe. Um, yeah, uh, the next one is inter 
interoperability. There you go. <laughs> um, so all of the apps in Facebook, in the Facebook family should work together. Um, and this one I'm really interested to see play out because they do have a lot of, and you know, over the past few years they've been buying a lot of different like startup mm. apps, social networks, messaging yeah. platforms. Um, in order to maintain their like number one right. spot, right? Um, but how are they going to to bring them all together? I have some ideas, but I am curious specifically. Well, I mean, they already have brought Instagram and yes. Facebook together, so that's two of their biggest. Yeah. Well, maybe not even biggest. I think what WhatsApp is bigger globally. than those both yeah. globally, mm-hmm. um, but in the United States. So that will be another one interesting to see how that plays out. Yep. Um, and then the last one is secure data storage. So ensuring that. The data is secure and cannot be seized by anyone, including governments and Facebook itself. And that one, I think, speaks directly to just like the past recent events. Yes, yeah, safety, um, safety, safety. Mm-hmm. And let's hope, let's hope, let's hope. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would think that by announcing that, that specifically, that they've got a, a direct plan um, to, to address that. Right, right. Which and I think has been the issue in the past, is they weren't really sure. Um, how how to fix that, when, especially when working with the government and right. laws and well, employees. Well, I think basically they had to come out and go this direction because, yeah. I mean, Zuckerberg appearing to Congress, all yeah. that stuff that's been kind of bad PR for them this year. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing that stuck out with us, and we'll post um, a link to this article by Convince and Convert because it's a very good one, but I think we all were like, well, they're taking away these certain things. How does this, the privacy things, you know, how does this play out for marketers? Yeah. So if you find like face, Facebook's updates really interesting, go back and listen to our first ever episode we, right. of this podcast. We address Facebook analytics right. and all of the details. Um, in that podcast, we do talk a lot about um, you know, from both perspectives, the, the customer right. perspective, the consumer, the people who use Facebook and just their mm-hmm. day-to-day lives, but also the marketing perspective, right. because a lot of what Facebook was building was a tool for marketers. And as marketers, like we have found those tools really beneficial. Um, well, I understand a lot of the data right. infringement and things like that. Um, I am curious how some of these themes and new features will affect that industry. Right. Well, which is why I brought up that convincing bird article because mm-hmm. I was kind of fabricated too. Like, okay, what's that mean for marketers? And that article kind of put it home messaging. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Facebook has been moving. So once a business is hooked into their messaging system, let's just keep going further and further. Mm-hmm. We're hooked in. We are basing a lot of our business customer service off of that. And there's just so many ways you can take that of those yeah. private interactions. And once you build it on there, you're not going to rip it off of there. <laughs> you know, so I think, um, and that article dives into more like how they see Facebook playing out. Of course, yeah. this is all theorizing, <laughs> but there was a big push. And even still, I mean, we've even noticed that for messaging and just all the different ways now that you can connect with customers and messaging and target them through ads and so that's going to be a huge huge thing I think moving forward for Facebook because you also get around the privacy laws at that point too because you have to opt into messages to receive them from a business Mm. so if you've opted in yeah well We'll see how how marketers ruin that one too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's such a fun not one. us, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on those, and uh, we will 
definitely keep you updated here on this podcast and on the blog on our website. So moving on to our topic for today, key opinion leaders. So what are they? How can they help your brand? Well, if you've never heard of the term KOL as what they're called, don't worry. I hadn't really heard of it either. either. (laughs) So basically it's a fancier term for an influencer, kinda. Um, Which is, if you recall, influencer marketing was one of the five tips for social media success for 2019. So go back and listen to episode 33 if you haven't listened to. But what is the buzz on a KOL? How do they differ from a normal influencer? And just how can you use them for your brand? So Alex, first let's unpack what a KOL is. Yeah, so a key opinion leader and an influencer, uh, a, a, a KOL So we're calling key uh, opinion leaders, KOLs, um, can be an influencer and an influencer can be a KOL, but they don't necessarily have to overlap. Right. Um, So uh, a a KOL is is similar to an influencer in terms of like what their audience size might be, um, but they're usually considered like a very specific expert or an expert on something very specific within whatever they do, their industry, their their market. so to give you kind of maybe an example from, from the YouTube space, like a, um, a Casey Neistat type is yeah. someone who appeals to everybody. And yes, his, like he is an expert in, say, so like storytelling or like short mm-hmm. film, stuff like that, but he's something that appeals to everybody. Whereas, um, say like a makeup artist on YouTube, which I know is very popular, and there yeah. are some that have millions and millions exactly. of subscribers, like that's not gonna appeal to everybody, but they are, no, they are extremely good at that specific one thing that they do, and people gravitate to them for that. So if they posted about something else, people would kind of be like, eh, it's not what I'm here for. Exactly. Whereas like a Casey Neistat has the ability to kind of do like whatever he wants and people are probably gonna watch it just because that's like the niche that he's developed. Right, yeah, and researching around a little about this, it seems like that term of KOL came from originally the medical pharma industry, which is very specific. So, (laughs) um, you know, that is going to have very, KOLs that may might not even be online, which yeah. is right. another thing that's a big difference, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, so an influencer, their job is to be active in the social space. That is how they handle, like, develop their influence. Um, a KOL does not necessarily have to be an online personality or presence. Um, these people can. Um, just be very knowledgeable in their space. So for example, like, you know, we talk about the lumber and building material space. Um, You could just be someone who's been in the industry for a very long time, has maybe um, been in, led a couple of different companies. Right, experienced a lot of different things. Yeah, I think of a friend of ours from, um, that we know, Greg, and knows everybody in the space. You walk around with this guy at a trade show left and right, hey, hey. You know, but I don't know if he's even active on social media. He might be, you know, but obviously he's a KOL for the building industry. And if if he's telling you something about the LBM industry or giving his opinion, you should probably listen because he's been been around Mm -hmm. for a very long time and and he's done it really well. Exactly. Right? Um, whereas you probably wouldn't listen to me if I gave you <laughs> advice on the lumber and building materials industry. Well, maybe um, how it's a video. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, but so that's so that's where um, KOLs and influencers differ in the sense that they don't necessarily have to be online personalities. Right. Um, but they are um, definitely targeted to their audience. Correct. They are experts in the area. So, which begs the question, if they don't operate online, but maybe they do, 
they might have a small following online, but maybe their most audience is, you know, them going around speaking or doing this mm-hmm. or that. What is their impact on a B2B and how can they help a B2B get noticed more? Ashley, can you give us some insights on that? Yeah, so like Sarah said, a KOL or a key opinion leader can help target your ideal audience. And I would say this is very similar to like uh, an online influencer where they have like an in, they know that audience, they're connected with that audience, the audience is very connected with them. Um, and to a specific audience, a niche market. Um, they've taken the time to engage with them um, and built like a, a real community yeah. um, centered around that interest. So they can help you target your ideal audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a great example of this too is uh, in terms of marketing, as opposed to maybe like running an ad on Facebook for a product um, that you are trying to sell, um, working with a key opinion leader uh, like I said, they're very similar with influencers in that they can, um, like, I'm trying to hesitate to use the word influence, but um, right. they have the ability to make an impact on people's buying decisions. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, lead them in one way or another because they are a trusted source. Right, so they have the ability to impact purchasing decisions because. Mm-hmm they are sought after for their opinion they know the industry um, and they can definitely affect yourselves if you have them saying i work with them i love them because of xx whatever right and these key opinion leaders won't just work with anyone right though because they are a trusted source and their entire credibility is based off of them their experience their honesty whatever um, they will only work with brands that they probably like align with. Yeah, definitely. Um, so making sure you're working with the right key opinion leader um, is 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 key here. Um, is there anything else? Can they be what? Is it such a thing that they could become a huge mega influencer by yes. aligning themselves? Yeah. So it's so interesting. I think even like back when we started this podcast, which was like about a year ago. Yeah. Um, influencers, I'm, I have air quotes. <laughs> it's such an overused term, but it in, in this conversation, I think it, it's relative. Um, influencers were only dissected into like, I don't know, big influencers like Kylie Jenner right. um, and then micro influencers who were like bloggers. Yeah. Um, but since then, we've had to really dissect influencers even further because audiences have grown so much. So yeah. now there's the nano influencer who has yeah. like under 10,000 followers, the micro influencers, we even have a mid tier influencers. Um, but key opinion leaders really fall in these top two categories. Um, so macro influencers, which are uh, 500,000 to a million followers okay. um, and I these metrics I, I believe they're using on social media but that doesn't necessarily right. have to mean social media right. it could just be their space exactly yeah. um, and then mega influencers which are obviously a million or more so um, keep that in mind when you're I guess like looking at right. the opinion leaders and, and leveraging them um, in your marketing yeah they definitely have the ability to increase your brand reach and awareness yes so yeah. Definitely, those are some great uh, ways on how a B2B can get noticed more by partnering with mm-hmm. a key opinion influencer. So I guess the next logical question is, how do you find the right key opinion leader then? Alex, are there any tips on that at all? 
Because that seems like it could be such toss-up. <laughs> Definitely. And, and keep in mind that based on your industry, um, finding a key opinion leader might be uh, easier or harder based on what yes. you do. Right, yeah. Um, just by nature of the, 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 the space that we work in a lot, in the lumber and building material space, there aren't as many of these like 500,000 to a million right. follower type accounts. Um, so it, you might have to put in a little bit more work finding these people. But um, so what you want to look into is, is um, trying to understand their reach um, of the target audience. So, I mean, just some basic metrics to look at are like, you know, how many followers do they have? What does their engagement look like on right. their post? Things like that. Um, you want to feel like they have the ability to come up with new ideas or are in line with kind of like the way that you want to approach advertising with them. Right. Um, so using someone who's becoming become a KOL just based off of writing, you know, like magazine articles. Right. Their influence might not be as impactful on a on a hyper social platform like Instagram or something like that. Right. Um, the practical ways of finding KOLs, um, you know, using your industry hashtags, um, searching industry terms on on Facebook, on Instagram, um, even on Google, right. um, and maybe go to like the news section or something right. like that um, to see who is talking about you know your terms, your products, your services. Right, yeah, I think, um, you know, look around and I guess think of what your product or service, who your that target audience is and who's popular in that target audience. Mm -hmm. So thinking of how this has worked for one of our clients, Mahalo Wellness, that wants to target chiropractors with their products, they've gone out and found, well, who is influential in the chiropractic space? and helping chiropractors increase their business. And then by aligning with that key influencer, they're able to increase their brand reach because if so-and-so is recommending their product then you know, to their already audience, then that just helps further the message of your own product. Mm -hmm. So really, it is about doing research, finding out who's in your space, who's creating buzz, who's, you know, who's an expert. Um, so just to wrap this up, a very good thing to keep in mind is a KOL is an expert in the doing, and that's where their value lies. It's the doing rather than the telling that they specialize in. So key opinion leaders spend the bulk of their time participating in their area of expertise, whereas influencers may just be online talking about it. So who's at the events, who's at the trade shows, who's at the speaking events um, for your B2B niche audience? That's gonna be the key opinion leader that you want on your side. So I think it can be very beneficial. Don't you guys think? Oh yeah. I think so. Especially uh, with if your B2B is so niche. Actually, we were just talking about your dad, Alex, how he is probably a key opinion leader for mm -hmm. the business that he's in because it's right. so specifically targeted. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a, uh, yeah, just trying to watch him use Instagram now. Kind of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like he may, not, he may not be popular in yeah, social yeah. media, right. but he definitely on the scientific background of creating for Kim agricultural products, not yeah. exploding while transporting, <laughs> creating a cap and liner for that. He's the expert. Right. Yeah. So, right. So yeah, so even aligning something if you are that specific of a <laughs> target audience. Right. So we want to know, have you partnered with a KOL? Was the experience positive? Or perhaps you learned something and have some caution for our listeners to heed. Either way, let us know by connecting with us at 21 Handshake.
Did you love this episode? Hint, yes, you did. Mm -hmm. Then please leave us a review and share with a friend. Until next time.